0: clearer picture of the 2022 Philippine National Elections,
1: Maria Ressa's Nobel Peace Prize 2021,
0: the oil price increase,
1: and the COVID-19 situation this October. Welcome to another monthly wrap-up of podcasts, Conversations in Philippine History, Politics, and Society. Magandang araw sa inyong lahat. Ako si Vec. Ako si Lee. At ako si Margie <laughs> Yeah, so for this wrap-up, we are joined by a special guest, Margie De Leon. Hello, Margie Hello, it's an Hi. honor to be
2: here Oh my God, I'm so kilig
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can you introduce yourselves to our listeners?
2: I'm Marguerite De Leon. I'm, uh, yes, the opinion editor of Rappler And I'm also the editor for its lifestyle and entertainment
1: section And I've been with the company since 2013 Alright, so hello, welcome mm. to the show. So kung papan nyo, kulang tayo. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, for the first, first time, time wala si Aaron. Um, I think uh, he's caught up in class kasi, you know, may iba pa kaming buhay bukod sa podcast. Eh,
0: nasa ibang time zone siya. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> Yan yung hirap eh kapag makakaiba yung time zone. So, as I've mentioned, we have several issues to talk about for this month, for the past month. We're recording this October 28, 2021. So,
0: take it away. So ang unang pag-uusapan natin ay nitong nakaraan lamang, alam na October is a month that we saw somewhat a clearer picture of the 2022 presidential elections. Nakita na natin yung mga nag-file for candidacy noong nag-deadline ang October 8. Ilan dito sa mga nag-file at talagang pinag-usapan ay sina uh, Ping Lacson at Tito Sotto, incumbent senators and then we have Bongbong Marcos na wala pang katandem we also have uh, Isko Moreno and Willy Ong uh, Mani Pacquiao and Lito Atienza uh, Di de Guzman at uh, Walden Bellio, at si Lenny Robredo at Kiko Pangilinan and then of course, before I forget si Bato de La Rosa at si Bonggo. but as I said, hindi pa ito yung final list of candidates natin, in fact Hanggang November 15, or November 15 pati manalaman talaga yung totoong configuration or yung totoong listahan ng mga kandidato na lalabas sa ating balota. Kasi hanggang November 15, pwede pang mag-substitute ng candidates. Ibig sabihin doon para mapipinalisa nga yung lalabas sa uh, ating ballots. So aside from the many issues that we have currently, the 2022 elections have been hogging the headlines. If I'm not mistaken, the campaign period is a few months away, parang February pa nga yata, kung di ako nagkakamali. Pero ngayon pa lang, punong-puno na ng mukha ng mga kandidato, ng mga politiko. Hindi lang ang balita, kundi maging ang um, mga kalye, ang mga billboards, social media, at kahit sa mga baybahay. So mukhang nagsisimula na nga talaga ang election fever. Ang dami nating pwedeng pag-usapan dito. Anong mga issue or headlines ang pinakatumatak sa inyo related to the election so far?
1: Ako ang pinaka-interesting development uh, na nangyari ngayong month regarding this. Yun nga, dahil na ng candidacy itong mga prospective presidential candidates natin ay yung nagiging itsura ng opposition. Okay, so uh, very, uh, I, I don't know, very divergent, so to speak. Well, I think we all know that there's a very high chance that Senator Bato de la Rosa wouldn't be the final candidate of the administration. And then we We also we, we have also seen several opposition candidates um clashing amongst themselves, like Mayor Isco moreno um having these really wild remarks against um Vice President Lenny Robredo and her candidacy, and then we have um our, I don't know maybe it's just my echo chamber, but some candidates are relatively quiet, like uh Pacquiao so far and um, ping Lakson, I don't know, <laughs> baka hindi ko lang narinig, pero yung nanay ko, Ping Lakson daw so I don't know why. Uh, ayun, so, uh, yun yung curious ako eh. So, ano yung magiging itsura ng dynamics, nung magiging competition later in the campaign uh, period, kung ganito yung itsura ng opposition? And of course, we also have, um, na I think kailangan nating bigyan din, di yung candidacy ng isang labor leader na si uh Yodi de Guzman together with known progressive leader former uh, Akbayan party list representative Walden Bellio and what do they represent in terms of this divergent mash that is supposed to be the opposition so there um, and I also gusto ko lang uh, I, I would like to point out regarding the initial... Binanggit nila kanina, wala pang campaign period. ng na, na yung mga billboards uh, sa SLEX, <laughs> sa EDSA. And at the same time, uh, the grassroots campaigning happening for a lot of candidates like... Uh, uh, I think specifically kay Vice President Lenny Robredo with the pink caravans and all. But at the same time, we've also seen uh, active supporters of Bongbong Bong Marcos already campaigning uh, for him beside the point yung kung organic ba yon or kung troll farms ba yon. So yeah, so I think uh very interesting but to be honest and to be candid, parang <laughs> hindi ako masyadong solved dun sa uh, strength na ipinapakita ng opposition so far. Kung meron man, ano.
2: Um, I, I actually tend to agree with, with Vec about the, the flimsiness of the opposition right now. Um, lalo na, in, in my echo chambers, in my bubbles, I mean, it's, it's personally mostly pink for Lenny. Uh, maraming mga kakam pink. Um, pero at the same time, marami ding mga tag, uh, for Kaliodi. And um, they're particularly incensed towards Lenny for not de, yung pinakamalaking seguro criticism nila of her is that she's not a genuine voice for the masses for laborers so yun yung yun yung sentiment na nakikita ko and there are some people who are actively like um campaigning against lenny even though they are still part of the opposition so it's such a confusing such a confusing um Ang atmosphere sa... Well, sa social media, ang atmosphere is very, very confusing. Like, if you're trying to figure out what you who you want to vote for, um, it's incredibly unclear um, as of now. Then again, kaumpisa pa ng election. Na, know, so you have... We have many, many months to go. then um, sa Rappler, kasi, we, we covered the filing of the certificates of candidacy. And... Um, I think yung, yung tumatak talaga sa akin ang daming curveballs that were that were thrown um, during that very very chaotic week like um, Saturday palang yung first Saturday palang, lang 'di si, uh, we were all expecting si uh, Bongo to run for to to file for president and to have Duterte as his vice, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, um, he said, na, si bongo na yung vice. And we were so confused because, like, as in, syempre, we were all covering it from, from our homes. So we were just watching the feed from, ano, from Sofitel. Um, and we were asking the, the cameraman, Pweding ano zoom in ka sa COC form ni ano. Nibongo, because we need to see if it really says vice and not president. Yung mga ganun. So, and the fact then that Lenny decided to run at the very very last second. Um, it's ano, it it's par for the course that elections here in the Philippines are very, uh, I guess, unpredictable. Um, but it always seems like the unpredictability is itself unpredictable. Like, hindi mo alam kung paano siya magiging wild. So, in this sense, um, yeah, uh, parang we're, we're gonna be in for a very wild ride for the next few months.
1: Yes, and I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to that, or No, Pero yun nga, initial surveys would show kung sino yung mga leading candidates. Pero uh, kung, pag, kung ibabase natin sa kasaysayan, I mean, the last... Uh, presidential elections at least. Uh, for at this period, for example, in 2010, I think mani Villar was leading the race tapos, um, only to be overturned uh, as, as they approach Election Day, diba? And then we were surprised with the results with uh, noino yakino winning and tailing behind him was the ousted president, Erap Estrada. So, yeah, so I think uh, marami pa tayong mga bagay na ah, uh, kailangan abangan regarding this. October palang. But yes, so I think andaming daming dinetermine itong buwan na to, Pero tama yung sinabi ni Lee. Hindi natin alam kung ano yung magiging itsura talaga until November 15 because of that really odd rule about substitution. Ano?
0: Yes. So... Nakaka-frustrate yung issue ng substitution actually kasi nagset ka ng deadline for The filing of candidacies, pero pwede ng mga substitute within how many days? Like, I think a month after you filed the candidacy. More than. More More than a month, actually. Uh
1: Kasi October 8 deadline, it's November 15 yung deadline ng substitution. And I think. Kailangan ding mabanggit ano na recently may mga kumakalat na I don't know uh, kung legit ba to or rumors about uh, uh Inday Sara another uh, I mean for many months uh inisip that uh, Sara Duterte would be running for for as, as the administration's candidate and then recently meron daw mga meetings na nagaganap between her and uh, Bongbong Marcos so I don't really know what would come what would come out of that and at this point, I don't know where to place Bongbong. Uh, obviously, he's in a, in, in a long-standing alliance with Duterte. So, would he represent, for example, would he qualify as a part of the opposition? Uh, of course, for the very simple reason that he wasn't the administration's, or, or he isn't the administration's candidate. So...
0: Yun yeah. nga, sino nga talaga ang admin candidate? Kasi, alam naman natin, hindi si Bonggo at si Batoyan. Alam naman natin na <laughs> they are placeholders for someone else. <laughs> Uh, exactly. And we will only find out until I think come November, nof- come November 15, which is again a preposterous um, thing that we still follow this substitution. Sabi nga ni, I don't know if it's Lenny or another candidate na parang mali itong practice ni to dapat magpatuloy. Pero nga, isa rin sa mga issue pinag-uusapan lately about the elections is yung substitution saka yung vote buying then just recently ah, no. Ah yeah,
1: yeah. Oh yes, yeah.
0: May mga nababanggit na ah <laughs> ganito dapat yan. Sige, vote buying is a reality. So is avert natin yung system. Kunin mo yung pera pero iboto mo yung konsensya mo. Pero may mga nagsasabi rin na sabi ni Bato yata na estafa naman 'yon, parang inestafa mo yung kandidato. <laughs> so least of so gusto ni Bato? Gusto ba ni Bato na iboto natin yung nag-vote buy? Eh, yung talaga, I think yung pinaka Malido, no i mean in 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 a, <laughs> in, a in an ideal world wala dapat vote buying i eh, know pero may, may, naghihirap kasi yung mga pilipino eh and you really can't blame them if they decide to accept itong itong uh-huh. itong ano itong perang yeah. na offer sa kanila but yun nga uh, naniniwala ako we can subvert this system pwedeng pwedeng nating gawin to na um ang iboto mo yung nasa konsensya mo at isa ko do nako align kayo ba <laughs>
2: <laughs> um Syempre, I'm against vote buying, but I I I see the pandemic as a huge factor mm-hmm. into into people falling for it or not just mm-hmm. falling for it, but like consciously. Mm-hmm um getting into it consciously allowing themselves to take part in it
1: ah uh, i think pumutok yang issue na yan because of a statement i'm not i'm not sure from comilek but doch ina sabi that it's criminal it's a criminal offense to sell your votes
0: mm. parang
2: yes, may may yes. ganung lumabas um, nagtweet si james Jimenez. and i think right. before that
0: and nangyari muna yung ano nangyari yung kasambahay with lenny and then may nagtanong ano po bang gagawin natin kapag may bumili ng boto namin? so yung sinabi ni lenny and from then from there Nag- get the money. Or- <laughs> sabi ni Nenny, parang, Hindi get the money, but vote based on your conscience." So nag-chime in na ngayon yung ibang mga ibang mga tao na all right, all right. they unearthed this statement by Isko when he was running for mayor na parang, "O sige, kukunin uh, yung pera, pero iboto niyo Isko." Parang gano'n yun yung, yung statement ni Isko when he was running for mayor. Ha? Um so,
1: least you have an agreement, no? Uh,
0: so, parang ganun din, <laughs> <yan>, no? <laughs> eh, tapos yun, nag-chime in na yung mga tao. Nag-chime in na si Bato. Tapos itong um, comment nga na sinasabi, hindi yan pwede. Uh,
1: pero ako gusto kong balikan yung sinabi ni Sergio Lighty Hanky sa episode natin last week. Diba? Why are we telling people not to accept the money? Bakit? Why would we make it a criminal offense if they sell their vote. Basically, wala lang magbibenta kung wala naman bibili, diba? parang drugs lang yan. But <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, gusto kong, gusto kong balikan yung sinabi ni Sir Julay in that previous episode na sinasabi niya na, why are we always burdening uh, people with, with guilt or with conscience when in fact, kailangan, it goes two ways, diba? You educate the people or you, you moralize I mean, both the people and the politicians as well. So I think it's high time na yun nating nakonsinyo talaga yung perpetrator kung meron mangbalik dito sa proseso ito or dito sa transaction nito ng vote buying
2: okay so on um, October 8, uh, Rappers Maria Ressa and Russia's Dmitry Muratov won the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize. Um, It happened actually on the last day of the filing of COCs in the Philippines. So it was a very, very busy day um, for for all journalists that day. Um, So according to the the statement that they gave in the announcement in Stockholm, um, uh, Maria and Dimitri won the prize for their efforts to safeguard freedom of expression, which is a precondition for democracy and lasting peace. So, um, technically, si Maria ang pinakaunang Pilipinong nanalo ng Nobel Peace Prize. Although in the past, there were two Filipinos who were part of international teams that won the Nobel. So, before that, there were 10 Filipinos who were part of the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons. So, in 2013, nanalo And then, si Father Jet Villarín, yung dating presidente ng Ateneo de Manila University, nanalo as part of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. She's the first individual Filipino who won. Besides Maria, uh, the other person who won, si Dmitry Muratov, is the founder and editor-in-chief of the independent newspaper Novaja Gazeta, na um, I guess in a way is kind of... Russian equivalent of Rappler, very freedom of speech oriented yung publication na to. Dun sa Norwegian Nobel Committee, sinabi nila yung, the newspaper is the most independent newspaper in Russia. And knowing Russia, that's, that's saying something, right? Yeah, yeah di ba? <laughs> um, and he, si Muratov, when he accepted the award, he dedicated it to six contributors doon sa, sa newspaper nila na, na murder for their work exposing human rights violations. So, um, going back to Maria, ayun, she's the editor-in-chief of Rappler. I mentioned earlier that it was the last day of filing for COCs. So, um, it was such a busy day. As in, um, actually, that whole week, wala kaming tulog. Kasi, there there siyempre yung balita. So, most of us, like, had our days off-canceled. We worked, like, 20-hour days. mga ganun. In, hindi talaga kami natutulog. We knew that um, Maria could be a winner, but the the chance was very very small. And from what we understood, because in February she was nominated along with Reporters Without Borders and the Committee to Protect Journalists. So yung pagkakaintindihan naman, she's part of a group. So like if she won, it would have been like the other Filipinos who won that they were would be part of like um, groups. Then we were also looking at like. Siyempre, people bet on these things. like Just like horse races and and sporting events, other sporting events, people actually vote on who wins the Nobel Peace Prize. And the odds um, for Maria were actually very small. So talagang hindi kami kami prepared or anything. Parang inisip lang namin, okay, just in case, we'll have have a reporter on standby just in case. Pero parang life goes on. And Maria was actually in a... She was in, in a workshop or a meeting at that time. She was in a Zoom call with people from some ASEAN organization. And then, suddenly, in the middle of, of their meeting, tumawag yung ano, yung Nobel <laughs> committee sa kanya. Oh, my so, God. na God. Capture, na- capture dun sa Zoom yung, yung look, of, look on her face <laughs> of disbelief. So, syempre, itang soon after that, she texted um, one of our editors, who in turn texted everybody else in mm-hmm. Rappler. And um, this was, this happened around mga 5.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. So, pa, katatapos pa lang ng COC filing, more or less. And we were just like scrambling because there was, kung last day ng COC filing, ibig sabihin ang daming, mm-hmm. ang daming ano, di ba? Kasi pag last day talagang last minute nagpa-file yung mga tao. Mm-hmm. So, we were covering so many people. Um, and then suddenly, may, may nag-message dun sa group chat namin, sa Slack. Um, she won, parang ganun, parang... <laughs> Tapos, siyempre, yung slack pang, oh my god, oh my god, OMG, OMG. So, puro flood lang ng, oh my god, OMG. Tapos, kung ano-ano-ano. Tapos, ano. yung favorite um, reaction ko was from a very young reporter, like one of our newest reporters. Ang message niya, na <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> Crazy. <laughs> Ayun. So, um... It's, it's, it, it actually only sunk in like days later mm-hmm. um, for one because we were so busy and for another because it's the Nobel Peace Prize like, <laughs> the, it, it's so hard to fathom like,
0: yes. to wrap your head
2: around it um, uh, like we, we Maria won yung time time person of the year a few mm. years prior uh-huh. um, and even that alone was very you already went crazy uh, <laughs> that, like, t- t- um, we actually thought it was fake news yung, t- yung time person of the year like we actually had to check like like somebody's trying to play tricks on us but uh, yeah, so, so t- 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 <laughs> um, But um, so we thought that was surreal the Nobel Peace Prize was even more surreal Mm-hmm. We, we always say the award is not maria the award is not rappler mm-hmm. the, the award is for every every truth teller every filipino who's tried to speak up for what they believe in here in this country in mm-hmm. the past especially in the past few years so ayun, parang it was such a big it, it, it really is a big deal for everyone
1: so um margie as a journalist and of course, as a journalist uh, from Rappler, na alam natin yung pinagdaanan the past years, diba? the hold the line. At pagkadaanan
2: pa? Yeah. Ha, ko. <laughs> we have a way to go. We have seven more uh, just legal cases.
1: nung nag sink in na sa inyo tung uh, Nobel Peace Prize, tung victory na to. Ano yung reflections mo? Um, kasi,
2: when when the attacks against Rappler started in, in 2016, like the moment Duterte got in power, It felt very lonely at the beginning because a lot of the other news agencies were, trying to be careful, trying not to step on people's toes. So at the time, um, kami lang talaga yung nagka-cry press freedom, so to speak, during that time. But as time went on um, over the years, we really saw people gaining more courage to speak up. To the point nga, nga, we we wouldn't have gotten this prize if people other than Rappler didn't speak up for us and for the press situation here in the Philippines. And that includes, of course, yung mga um, fellow press outfits ng Pilipinas. When this all sunk in, parang ang, 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 ang iniisip ko lang is, something good is happening. Because not only is there acknowledgement, there is a clamor for change, like, see si, si Duterte, he, the, the International Criminal Court, is on his heels. And we would like to think that this Nobel Prize is, kahit papano, a little way of helping to make the case, I guess. Yun. So we're cautiously optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic, personally. It gives me an extra boost to keep going. Especially now that mag- elections na and it's going to be very, very difficult for journalists again this prize is kind of like an extra treat before we go back into the trenches again.
1: Uh, when I first learned about the Nobel Peace Prize, you know, ang una ko naisip, no, paano kaya ito, ito twist? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 ka to spin ang spin doctors yeah. ng current administration na uh, talagang uh, against uh, which Maria Ress has been struggling? So, But at the same time, I think, um, sobrang significant that, uh, this uh, victory or this award uh, won by, by Maria Reza uh, is, is very significant in a sense that what we're seeing in the past few years, at least since 2016, ano, ay ibang terrain ng laban regarding sa pe- press freedom. Like before, I mean, the way we repress our press or the way we, we silence our journalists is that, is that we kill them. We really use kumbaga hard power. Yeah. Uh hard power of perhaps the state or other actors, right? Pero ngayon, iba kasi yung paraan ng pagpapatahimik sa, uh, or at least, yeah, pag-limit pag ng, ng kalayaan ng, ng media. Ginagawa na siya, not necessarily by, you know, killing people, though ginagawa pa rin yon or imprisoning people, or suing them with libel, nagagawa din siya sa pamamagitan ng, attacking their credibility mm. at iba pa yung terrain na ibinibigay yeah. ng Facebook or ng social media. I was reading an article a few days ago sa Washington Post saying that Maria Ressa's victory was also an affront to Facebook that what you're doing is actually really dangerous It endangers Philippine democracy It endangers democracy around the world mm. Especially in the global south Your platform has been used for genocidal intents By violent groups Clamoring for people's brutal massacre It has, it has been used against Maria herself Threats about her life diba? Threats of rape and you know, and other accusations of indignity. So mm. we're fighting this very novel battle. I mean, provided the platform to which information's been um being dispersed, and I think yung panalo ni, ni Maria Reza wasn't just a win um against repressive state actors, uh, against a, a very repressive Philippine government, but also against uh, a repressive multinational corporation yeah. <laughs> which wields incommensurate power, yung power na hindi mo and justifiable power towards our democratic affairs as societies and as nations. So yun yun, so parang two-pronged. Ano, two-pronged yung victory niya. It's a victory against the repressive states like, I don't know, uh, the, the resurgence of fascists in, in all over the world. But at the same time, it is also a victory against their number one enablers. Which is yes. Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. Right. Oh. <laughs> so it, it,
2: yeah, it couldn't have come at a better time because yeah, around the yeah. same time, um, see si Frances Haugen, which who was former employee of Facebook, medyo one of the higher ups, done. She blew the whistle on how Facebook mm-hmm. works in terms of of policing their content. So she revealed na mm. alam naman ng Facebook na maraming disinformation ng AI, and especially in the global south, and mm-hmm. uh, they consciously don't do anything about it.
1: Yes, um, mm. for
2: for revenue's sake, basically mm.
1: yeah. exactly you know so syempre iba pa yung issue ng cambridge Analytica. <laughs> yeah all, iba pa yun diba yeah. yung mga yung mga uh, ni revealed ni i mean the things that maria resa surfaced regarding facebook like the existence of millions of accounts of fake accounts diba that that tinitimpla yung yung opinion yung climate ng mga opinion ng mga tao and as we have seen in the Philippines and in the U.S. elections in 2016, successfully, um, you know, uh, influenced the outcome of the election. So, again, congratulations. Congratulations to Thank you. Thank you. Thank congratulations to so, yes. yes.
2: Congratulations to all of us, basically.
1: Yes. <laughs> all right, so for the ninth week this week, we, we witnessed the successive oil price increase in the Philippines and um, according to the uh, data of the Department of Energy pumapalo na sa around 20 pesos ang itinaas na presyo ng uh, gasolina tapos around 18 pesos at tinaas na presyo ng diesel Uh, because of this um, sunod-sunod na price increase which started in August and we know uh, that kapag tumataas ang presyo ng Kurudo, whenever the price of oil increases, yung tendency ay nag-snowball siya towards other commodities as well. So, this is not a very good premonition about what the economy would look like for the rest of the year. According to some analysts, inflation might not yet be at its peak. It would peak next month by November. However, some economists would also say that this insane increase in oil price it's actually an indicator of a recovering economy. <laughs> Kasi sabi nila, tumataas ulit yung demand. Mabalik na yung demand almost at pre-pandemic levels, yung demand sa gasolina. Kaya nag-i-increase yung, yung presyo, diba? So, yun yung sinasabi nila. Uh, at the same time, some people would say that it actually started when certain oil fields in the United States, in the Gulf of Mexico, started shutting down because of the weather and because of other factors. So, mer- meron na confluence of factors. But I think ang mahalagang pag-usapan dito would be this, how would this affect the Filipino people, especially in, in, in this situation, kung saan marami ang nawala ng trabaho? And specifically, how would this affect the transport sector na isa sa mga since the pandemic started? I think jeepneys and buses until now are not allowed to to operate in full capacity, of course, because of uh, our health protocols and health measures. Nag-increase pa yung presyo ng, ng, ng diesel, so we can imagine how this would hurt uh, the, the drivers in the transport sector. Uh, at the same time, uh, they are demanding for an increase in, a 3 peso increase in in minimum fare. So if it was 9 pesos, they're, they're demanding that it be increased to 12 pesos, which is really, really expensive for the Filipino uh commuters. So, ngayon, there the rest... is...
0: Sorry, nine pesos na ba? Nine. A hmm. minimum? Oh my God. Sorry, nung naalo ko nung college, parang 450 <laughs> lang or... Tanda. 7 pesos
1: <laughs> exactly so 9 pesos all right so ngayon they're demanding na 12 pesos because they wanted to to somehow um you know alleviate the offset. effects of this yeah, yeah to offset the, the losses and then the, the response by transport transport secretary to Gade would be we can't do that because of the commuting public uh what we can do instead would be to uh to ask for discounts for public transport operators and drivers sa mga uh, oil companies like you know the Caltex and Petron and Shell and so on and then some assistance then for the drivers. But they said na umaaray pa rin sila, na they can't do that. But I think one sector that we have overlooked na very much affected then because of this um, oil price increase uh, are the fisher folks. Because um they they've been battered since the pandemic started and then with a massive increase in oil in, in the price of oil uh yung time nila sa laut, okay na, na reduced them significantly which would you know result to uh, of course lesser uh, l- lesser catch and therefore lesser profit so yeah so what are your <laughs> reactions regarding this development parang we're headed towards an energy crisis
0: uh, At alam naman natin na yung usapin ng enerhiya, apektado lahat yan kasi lahat ng bagay ay transport So, tataas talaga ang presyo ng bilihin. And that's actually what I'm worrying for. Kasi syempre wala ko sa Pilipinas, so hindi ko mararamdaman. Pero yung pamilya ko kasi nasa Pilipinas, nila. Alam ko din na yung mga farmers, may kasi hindi lang naman din... Again, dependent sila sa 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 krudo for transporting their goods, but I also heard that even fertilizers became very expensive. So imagine kung nagmahalang ang fertilizers at nagmamahal ang krudo, paano na ngayon yung ating food supply? So mukhang magmamahal ang bilihin, may pandemya pa rin at naghihirap pa rin ng mga Pilipino. Baka ang mangyari eh, ma-capitalize yung mga politiko sa mga problema pang-ekonomiya ng mga Pilipino. So, ganyan na. Diyan napapasok kayo yung pagbili ng boto. ba? So, kawing-kawing yung mga usapin. Itong issue ng pagtaas ng presyo ng langis ay hindi talaga dapat ito inaman ni Manila ng pamahalaan. Mm.
1: And I think this should be reflected in their platforms as well. Ano ang platforma nila regarding energy? Halimbawa, I think... Uh, Kaykalio di de Guzman ko na yung kanyang agenda on, on on the oil deregulation law on scrapping it because of its um, adverse effects especially on consumers diba? on the consuming public so there see si um he
2: he announced ah. that he wanted a 50% rate cut sa electricity at sa fuel mm-hmm. so um yun so ginagamit hindi it's not just a matter of vote buying it's also nga, using their platform to entice people um, to vote for them. So, mm-hmm. siyempre, mga promises lang yun. <laughs> so, I, I, I don't know.
1: At naramdam ramdam nga kasi yung pagtaas ng presyo ng gasolina at pagtaas ng presyo ng kuryente. So, siyempre, kapag narinig mo yung ganong agenda, it would, exactly. it would really draw you in. Uh, I think, specifically, Isko was also talking about taxes.
2: Yes, yes, and taxes Which, I, which
1: I, I don't know, that, that's very weird, no? parang slash na yung tax on oil. So who really would benefit from it? Uh, yung bang consumer or yung mga ng langis, ba? And if you do that, if you slash your taxes, what would happen to government revenue? And if you slash, and if, and if the government revenue is reduced, then how would you provide social services? Right. ba? So... Yeah, it's a very liberal. neoliberal liberal problem, <laughs> so to speak. And I think there's also a very issue. It's din by the energy uh, hula balu. The Malampaya oil field, where Dennis Uy, a known crony of the Duterte administration, of President Duterte himself, acquired 90 yeah. okay, percent of, yes. of the company
0: yung Odeana Corporation yeah there.
1: the his Odeana Corporation uh, I mean bought the shares of ah uh, Shell Chevron. and Chevron parang Shell muna and then Chevron later mm-hmm. on so nga yon kaya lang, naging
0: ninety kaya naging ninety
1: percent tsh uh-huh. 10 percent talagang sa gobyerno and those who, they, they were actually sued, I think, earlier this year. This was tackled already in the Senate uh, a few months ago. Mm. And then I think that the, 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 the campaign was being headed by Senator uh, Gatchalian. So, it was that how come the Department of Energy uh, did not do due diligence about this matter and Udena was uh, given so much stake in, in, in Malampaya, provided that Udena didn't have the financial and the technical capacity to operate uh, mm. this oil field, which provides for a significant portion of energy in Luzon. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so, sobrang kawing-kawing yung issue. I think I, I saw a Twitter thread regarding this. Na, and provided also they, that they don't have technical capacity to operate this, mas mataas ngayon yung risk ng accidents, oil leaks, halimbawa, which will also destroy Palauan yeah. The entire palawan si Hanggang Batangas daw So Wow <laughs> And then
0: Tsaka yung possibility na ano Na magkaroon ng Chinese intervention Kasi 90% owned by A single corporation And I don't know It's just so bothering yeah. to hear the word crony Kasi the crony <laughs> yeah. nga talaga ngayon oh,
1: formally pa lang doon. Yeah, I was yeah, about yeah, yeah, to say no, and, and
2: formally parallels Di
1: yeah, pero yung Odena kasi ay 10 times more than the formerly deal. So, kung, yes. kung 14 billion, oh my god, 14 billion.
0: Ito na naman nga ako, eh, diba? Naalala ko nung term ni Pinoy. Galit na galit tayo sa PDAF scandal. <laughs> and how, how much was that?
1: Mga couple, couple of, of <laughs> billions.
0: Parang Yeah, taps ngayon parang ito na 500 of billion, yung, yung, 138
1: billion itong deal na to with the uh, Malampes. Eh.
0: Simulan ko pa nga sana sa ano eh, sa PhilHealth, diba? Parang PhilHealth ba o ano, yung Yung 15 feel billion?
1: PhilHealth oh, feel,
0: feel health, yeah. health di ba? Tapos nagkaroon ng farmaline na magkano. Tapos ngayon, ito naman, malampaya.
1: <laughs> so...
0: Desensitized na ba mga Pilipino na hindi na nilaramdam? Or siguro hindi kasi nila ma-imagine kung gano'ng kalaki yung isang billion, no?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's it's hard to, ano...
1: It's hard to grasp.
2: Yeah. It's hard to grasp.
1: Yes, Margie, I would like to ask that. Maybe in, from, from a communication perspective. Kasi corruption used to be a gut issue. Alam mo yun? Parang... Yeah. Um, I remember uh, in 2015- 2016 I, have, I, I'm, I, I, I am with a group against the return of the Marcos and against historical revisionism and mm-hmm. our you know uh, our analysis was that people actually do not care much about the human rights violation committed by Marcos against the torture and the extrajudicial killings but if you tell them that the Marcos family had an ill-gotten wealth, of this amount Doon sila Doon nagagalit yung mga tao So sa ganong klaseng mga report. So pero bakit ngayon Na mas scandalous At mas, uh, And with greater implications as well mm-hmm. What Why do you think Are they receiving it Rather um, I don't know I
2: think it's uh, What what year Around what year was that yung, yung sa group mo Mga
1: 2015
2: 2015 So I don't know yeah. I, I would imagine that Because of social media like, um, over the past few years, must na inundate tayo with numbers, must na inundate tayo with information, mm-hmm. with news. Okay. So it becomes this soup in your head. Mm-hmm. And um, there's just so much information in your head that it's hard to grasp any one issue and really stick with it and really feel feel greatly about it unless you are directly <laughs> involved. Mm-hmm. So, alam mo pa parang, it's just, it's just really... And, and because of this pandemic then, I would I would imagine... Na um, parang you you go by default into your self-preservation mode, so yeah, the yeah. only thing that really matters to you at the moment is the people, uh, right, uh, is you and the people in your yeah, community. Sense, yeah. yeah. So um, you and 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 I I guess also because of this particular administration that the impunity is so severe and so sudden. Na parang I guess I I would imagine na shell shocked among the Filipinos na oh. um like i guess like I am I'm, I'm a psychologist but um I guess in in a way parang na numb out na lang nila yung mm-hmm. yung bad stuff because they have to find a way to get through all of these other yes. challenges that they have to go through so um Yes, definitely. I, I, I do think that um, there needs to be more emphasis made on, on these issues um, mm-hmm. on media, on social media. But at the same time, it's really a matter of finding the best way to make people care. Mm-hmm. And um, that mm-hmm. will definitely, Laluna this, this me, me, me culture of ours, um, it will definitely need to involve like making it incredibly personal. <laughs> to the reader. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's not about numbers anymore. It's about how will this mm-hmm. um, degree of impunity directly affect you and your loved ones. Alright. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so regarding this oil price increase, so, yun yung pwede nating unan. Uh, we need to, uh, kailangan nating maitawid sa mga tao, kung ano talaga yung konkreto, mas konkreto na epekto nito. Okay. Sa, sa buhay natin sa pang-araw-araw.
0: Right. And speaking of everyday life, <laughs> dumako na tayo sa ating final issue for this episode of our monthly wrap up. Our usual COVID situation, there. Uh, and I think we're about how many months in? Like seventeen months in, um, or at least a year and a half sa pandemic, no? And finally, some good news. Oh my news. god! <laughs> uh, the, yeah, finally the Philippines is back to a uh, low risk of COVID outbreak status. Uh, ibig sabihin, mawaban um, na rin talaga yung ating daily cases. We are recording, I think, around um, average 5,000 and I think just recently, parang less than 5,000 na nga. 3,000 plus na lang. Ang ating uh, average daily cases. Daily. No? And even less pa. So, talagang may decline sa infections at a national level. We cannot really deny that. But it, this does not mean na pwede nang bumalik sa normal na buhay. In fact, tuloy pa rin dapat yung laban natin. Tuloy pa rin dapat yung pag-iingat natin. Kasi balita ko, puno pa rin ng mga ICU beds. Uh, at wala pa rin space talaga sa hospitals. At alam naman natin, hindi lang naman COVID ang sakit. Sa panahong ito, andyan pa rin lahat ng iba pang mga sakit na nauna na. At maraming nangangailangan ng ating mga health facilities. We also heard news about yung pag ng pag-administer ng um, vaccine boosters. Na magisimula, I think, sa mga frontliners or yung sa mga may, may mga particular health conditions. Which is interesting, kasi magisimula ito, iwala eh, panga tayo sa 25% na mm-hmm. fully vaccinated. Yeah. And I think we're lagging behind, kasi yung world or yung global average is, I think, almost 40%. <laughs> Yung total. And yet, the uh, so Philippines, one of the larger populations of the world. 25% palang. lang. Dito sa Japan, parang 70% na yung... Sana
1: all. Wow. Yung
0: parang feeling ko, parang may herd immunity na yata dito. And yet, there is also talks of doing the third dose by December. Wow. Dito sa Japan. Wow. Yun yung worry ko na paano magko-coexist yung third dose sa administration ng first and second dose. Kasi, <laughs> ba, parang it's a logistical nightmare. How do you manage that? Ang daming pwedeng pag-usapan tungkol sa COVID response. Siguro daanan na lang natin as we go along. Ano bang mga news relevant to the COVID-19 pandemic ang tumatak sa inyo?
1: I think they will also start um, inoculating minors already. Uh, parang, I'm yeah, 12, 12 to, 17, to 17, 17 years old, so sa akin lang sana ma-equalize yung distribution ng vaccine. Kasi sa Maynila, I think madami na silang nabakunahan na full dose. Pero dito sa probinsya, uh, especially in maybe in farther provinces of Northern Luzon and Mindanao, parang mas konti pa. So I think that's, uh, that's also... Uh, an aspect of the vaccination campaign na kailangan nating pagtuunan ng pansin. Kumbaga, equalize yung distribution ng vaccines kasi lalo na ngayon, I'm sure with this um, lowering cases, maglulusian up na naman ng restrictions. People would be freer to travel again and then maybe we are we're really stuck with that vicious cycle of, you know, bababa yung cases, maglulubog tapos yung cases, so restrict ulit. So, yeah, mm. so I think sana na naman no, ay sabi nga ay at least uh, one and a 1 uh, one and a half years na tayo dito sana gonna na yung uh, ating COVID responders about what to really do to sustain sustain these uh, low cases
2: yung tumatak sa akin yung ano, uh, there's a new variant under investigation na nahanap huh? uli dito sa Pilipinas so that was about three days ago I believe so I mean it we're still not sure what what it means exactly but the fact alone that there's still variants developing that um dahil nga hindi properly vaccinated yung for example in global south because all the
1: mm-hmm. all
2: the uh, rich countries are hoarding the vaccines nagdedevelop develop rin ng mga mm-hmm. iba-ibang vir- variants at nakakarating sa iba't bansa so um it's so w- w- when you said the Na ano, low risk ng Pilipinas parang I wasn't celebrating <laughs> like I, I didn't think of I didn't mm-hmm. think of it as like good news necessarily because th- there is still mm-hmm. so much more that could happen mm-hmm. um, so yes. it, it's really a matter of we can't let our yunga, like Vex said we can't let our guards down mm-hmm. um, because we are nowhere near figuring out how to stop this just yet especially if we keep on being selfish with our
0: vaccines. Kaya rin recently, no, napansin ko, dahil nga, bumababayang cases, mukhang mas na embolden ang mga tao na bumalik sa, I mean, lumabas. Oh my God. Like just yeah. recently, okay. nung nakaraang weekend, I don't know if you heard of this, but, uh, yung sa Dolomite lami. Beach, <laughs> oh my God. Na 120, <laughs> in one day, 120,000 people ang nasa Dolomite Beach or ang pumunta sa Dolomite Beach. So, It's, I think, a super spreader event. I mean, kahit naman sabihin natin na mababa ang cases, it's not an excuse Uh, to do that. uh,
1: Well, I think yung mga ganun ay symptomatic hindi kasi posible to lock up up an an entire population for, I don't know, it's 18 (laughs) months. I mean, maghahanap at maghahanap ang mga tao ng espacio to breathe, I think. And I think uh, it, it calls for a more novel uh, respond and, rest- and, and the way we, we restrict movements. Halimbawa, na, halimbawa I'm here. No? I'm here based in, in Los Baños right now. Hanggang ngayon, cruise yung campus for people. You can't even jog there. Diba? Wow. Mm-hmm. And you can't even ride your bike going there. Diba? So, I think, it's uh, eh, sa safe. I think um, I mean with, with, with proper precaution safe ang open spaces so I think kailangan nilang mm-hmm. I- reconsider yung mga ganong klaseng pagpayag sa mga activities. kasi otherwise people would really flock to malls again yes, to, to, to restaurants and to Dolomite Beach diba? So yun um, isa pa pala isa pa pala. and provided these cases na bumababa nga at nag uh, bababa ba din yung restriction levels they're also I think starting to consider uh, going back to school. Face-to-face mm. classes. At least, at least in UP, ah. I, I mean, based, parang may, may mga recent talks about it. Limited face-to-face classes already. So, syempre, yung tanong namin dyan ay, gano'n tayo kahanda? ah uh, hindi lang in terms of health of safety but also in terms of infrastructure halimbawa how would it be safe to hold your classes in air conditioned classrooms dito sa UPLB um, halos karabihan ng mga classrooms ay like air conditioned eh, sabi nila you need um, open air de ba so na nagkaron ba ng effort ang ang pamahalaan ang Department of Education ang Commission on Higher Education at ang ibang mga eskwelahan to uh, make their campuses um safe Safer, at least, ano, uh, regarding pandemics. Siyempre, so, iba pa yung usapin ng vaccination ng staff, ng workers, ng mga estudyante, and so
0: on. And daming issues, no?
1: Yes. So, hindi na. I mean, mag-iisang taon tayo sa podcast, parang buwan-buwan natin pinag-uusapan. <laughs>
0: yeah. COVID,
1: no? Okay, so I think that wraps up our monthly wrap-up this October. So, thank you for listening. And of course, many, many thanks to Rapplers Margie De Leon for joining us kahit na naka-experience mag-work na 20 hours a day for sparing the time. So thank you Margie. Do you have do you have a message for our listeners or baka meron kang gustong i-promote na project?
2: Um I don't know, well for first off thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on this podcast. Um like I told you guys uh, before the show I'm I'm a big fan of the podcast and I've been following you guys since the start. Yay. I guess I guess uh, the only thing I would pitch is to keep on reading Rappler. Keep on supporting independent media. Keep on supporting media in in general, and try to uh, read as much as possible, not just from a single source. Mm. I think you uh, you guys as historians would uh, particularly appreciate that. So uh, let's let's use Maria's win as a boost, not just for journalists but for each and every Filipino who has to get through the next few months. Yeah, so
1: thank you. So, all right. So, if you want to listen to our episode, so head over to our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcast account and make sure to subscribe. We're also on YouTube. So, make make sure to subscribe to our channel. That's Podcast TV.
0: You may also visit our website, www.podcast.org. You can also find us sa aming mga social media pages. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
1: So kung meron kayong comments, some feedback, what you want to hear from us, so uh, please drop us some tweets or comments. We would greatly appreciate that. So thank you very much for joining us today and have a good day.